Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let's do this thing. Welcome, everybody, to the Believe in the South Side show. It is your boy, Steve O. You can find me on Twitter at Drunk Shy Sox Fan. And joining me, as always, my very beloved co host. Yeah, let's be real, Steve. Come on. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? It's Kerry. Uh, I'm on Twitter at that baseball fan probably arguing with everybody, but speaking of arguing with people on Twitter, especially White Sox Twitter, we have the God of that with us today. So Steve, I'll let you introduce our guests. Absolutely. We are joined as you know, our live viewers can see here by the one, the only, the biggest uh, Twitter shit giver I've ever met in my entire life. This man is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet in person, but he is just absolutely unbearable on this app that we call Twitter.com. He is the one, the only, not King Mac. We are joined by Sammy Davis Jr., 5,000 from the future, joining us in the present and with a luchadore uh, mask on. Um, no, th- this is my real face. I told you I would reveal my face. This is... This is my real face. This is the big reveal. This is what everybody tuned in for to actually see your real face. So um, I'm glad that you could join us as well as Mac joining us in, in the background. Well, actually, uh, in the year 5000, uh, everyone has to have this as wallpaper in their house. So this is just the wallpaper in my house. It's fantastic wallpaper. Do you know what? I think, it, I mean, he's a prophet, right? You know, the guy yes. who's behind you. Uh, can, the most high, baby. Can you read that prophecy for us, by the way, for our non-wide viewers? Yeah, the prophecy is that uh, people be wildin' on these demonic spirits, uh, and uh, you, you got to just just remember to walk in the flesh. Walk in the flesh, or are you supposed to uh, guard your flesh and feed uh-huh. it? You're supposed to. You have to feed your spirit, right? Yes, feed feed your spirit, um, bratwurst preferably. Um, but yeah, so what's going on, guys? Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. We're stoked to have you on our guy, Sammy. We're just going to call you Sammy. That's your real name, of course. Um, Sammy, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your journey in becoming a White Sox fan, uh, because, you know, we all know that you love uh, pain and torture, apparently. Yes. So uh, I was born and raised in Bridgeport. Uh, I lived, uh, my family still lives on Canal Street. So I was always three blocks away from the park. Um, Started following when I was probably three years old. Uh, first couple games were at Old Comiskey. Uh, actually went to the home opener of the new stadium. I still remember that day. Um, uh, my grandfather was a corrupt politician, so I get to, got to sit in the stadium club next to Governor Thompson. So that was pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been that way ever since. Obsessed since, uh, since I was three. So. I absolutely love that for you. I'm, I kind of envy the fact that you grew up so close to the park. Um, you're getting dragged, by the way, in the comments by our friend Beer Garden Jim for not showing your face. Everybody says that, that we all know what you look like. Is, is well, that- if, if I were Jim, I wouldn't show my face either. <laughs> this is fantastic already. The guy, the guy with the soul patch is talking shit over here. Oh, it's getting real tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Um, am I, am I going to have to make another PowerPoint? Is, is that what it's going to come to? It, please, please. That would be amazing. Honestly, we should have, you should have prepared another anti-gym uh, PowerPoint 
slideshow for this podcast. That would have been fantastic. Uh, I'll save that for the one away tournament. Even if I don't go against him, I'll still make a gym PowerPoint. Ooh, that you know that'd be another that'll be a matchup for the ages. I'd be in support of that. Um, as I pour myself my uh, poverty bourbon tonight, Buffalo. Thank Chase, you, thank um, you, Gabe. Love you. <laughs> Gabe out here in the comments saying that uh, Sammy Davis, greater than King Mac, uh, our other apparently guest tonight. Um, As I was saying, pouring myself a little Buffalo Trace tonight, I know that's a little bit under your price range, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, Would would you like to tell us what you're drinking tonight? I know Carrie is is dying to hear. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I picked one specifically for Carrie tonight. I am drinking. And Shevitz? Oh, you can't see. Oh, it is Of course. The new Larceny Barrel Proof. Top Carrie had a heart attack on when everyone was posting about it the other day. What are, what are your thoughts on, on Larceny there? Uh, I am a big fan of I, – I used to like Rizemore, but now I'm more into weeded bourbon, which Larceny is. And the barrel pick is screaming 63% alcohol, So, it, it, but it's you still get a good flavor on it. So I like it. Fair enough, Gary. How about you? What's what's it? What's in that? Uh, what's in that cup of yours? Oh, a little bit of the herbal essences, as, yes. as we say, right? Yes. Um, He's got the urge to herbal. Pretty much. That, that's what I'm drinking tonight. So we're we're just gonna let Sammy Davis June sing us to sleep tonight, ladies and gentlemen. That's yeah. I, I love you flexing the golden pipes, especially with the mask on, man. I'll uh, I'll take requests at the end of the show. Did you pay twice MSRP for that larceny? No. So uh, I actually, uh, uh, Baloney's partner in crime, Jason, told me to go to Benny's and ask if they hide it behind the counter, which they did, even though they claim they never hide stuff behind the counter. So whenever you go to Benny's, always ask if they've got shit behind the counter. <laughs> Absolutely. I Hey, that's how I've stumbled across a couple you know, solid bourbons as well, mm-hmm. too. So um, I Carrie, know even- they do that at marijuana dispensaries. They, they, they keep good stuff behind the counter. No, they don't because it's all the same shit. No, oh, OK. Yeah. But he gets he gets that nice. Uh, you get that nice. What? Tax free. Tax free, baby. Medical. Do, do so, you get that dang kush, yo? I'm Boy. No. P- p- please stop. Please okay, stop. I'll stop. <laughs> um, now. Apparently, Billy is upset that um, Sammy D- J- Davis Jr. here, Brian, our friend, recovering prof, Gabe have all been on. Jordan Miller's been on this podcast. Wow. Um, and we oh, haven't had Billy on. Oh. We have not had Billy on yet. Um, is, is that going to be our next guest, Carrie? I just don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it either. So thank you for dropping that. I appreciate it. That was yeah. a fantastic yeah. drop. <laughs> I love that Billy on. I think it would, <laughs> I think it'd be great. Um, I, I think we would uh, have to like put like a rated R thing on or something like that. So, hundred percent. No, we definitely like viewer discretion advice. Yeah, Listener discretion. Yeah, yeah. You better oh, get him yeah. some ketamine before he comes on because it, it's just gonna be rapid fire if he's on here. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, would he show up as grand? If there was a grandpa hog suit, I would not put it past Billy to wear the grandpa hog suit. That'd be great if something was just dangling like on the side, you know? Absolutely. Just or just the entire screen was just like grandpa hog in, in of himself. 
Um, that would be fantastic. I know Billy isn't afraid to show his face, though. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. So, but he, he has a very beautiful face, so I, I would not mind seeing it. I agree. Very handsome man. Indeed. Very handsome. Soft hands. Uh, reminds me of Steve a little bit. Ah, uh, a little bit. Um, you know, I think it might be the bald head. Oh, that I was might, just that might my be. hair. Sorry. Of course, of course. Um, casually carries itching his hair as a. I remind him of Billy. Billy's my father. Okay, don't make fun of him. <laughs> um, on that note, we are a baseball podcast. We should probably talk a little bit of baseball. And not larceny. <laughs> not larceny, indeed. And not larceny and not the bourbon larceny either. Um, Sammy Davis June, we want to yeah. get your thoughts on these MLB rule changes since you are from the future. Um, we want to hear what – What's going to happen here in the future with these MLB uh, rule changes? First and foremost, I think the hot topic right now in baseball is this pitch clock. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking on this pitch clock? Absolutely love it. In fact, a, and since I'm, I'm in the future and know this, in two years, games actually go down to seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but seriously, I absolutely love it. I think – I can't believe it took this long to say – the game's slow. Why don't we make it faster by timing the people? Mm-hmm. Um, I I do not get these the these purists who say, well, you know, baseball is the only sport that that isn't timed. Well, what makes it so special that it doesn't need to be timed? The, the, the we need to get these younger fans in. the The average age of of, of a baseball viewer is still fifty seven. Okay, I looked it up. NBA is 39, and the NBA is probably the most popular sport right now besides football. But, you know, football is once a week. That's you know why it's super popular. I think I would I would even go further. You know, I would I've I'm, I'm a fan of shortening the season, expanding the Ooh. playoffs. And I think you get the owners to bite on that by having those expanded playoffs that brings in more revenue and they share the revenue. So do it that way. I just, it's long. This games are long. The season is long. And the, the, the youths these days don't have the attention span that, you know, we had growing. Hmm. You said, did you say youths? Youths. Youths. Yes. Youths. Okay. Um, I, I think anything, you know, I doubt games are going to be two and a half hours during the regular season, but you know, even if you shave 20 minutes off a game, 15 minutes off a game, it, it's a lot. Cause young people aren't staying up till watch those 10, 10, 15, 10, 30 games. And I remember when I was a kid, I had to go to the bed when it was the seventh inning, no, no matter what happened, I had to go to bed at that time. So quicker games are going to bring in younger people. I, I don't care what anyone says. And I also don't like this this people crying that you know oh well what if the game ends on uh, the, the the third strike call or a, a walk or something like that? Well, all the other sports when the time expires you lose. You know, if someone's saying oh I I meant to put up this half court shot uh, three seconds earlier, but but time ran out. Let's go back and do it that way. I'm hundred percent fine with it. I think it's great for the game, and I mean even. Old farts like me with kids, it's it's a lot watching a baseball game. So if I can get an extra half hour, it's fine with me. What about you guys? Yeah. No, and, yeah. Carrie, go ahead. I was just gonna say I'm looking just right now at you know what the average time of game is the past like five years, and 
you know, per, just like a nine inning game since 2016, which was a shitty year in baseball. It's been three hours. That's the average. Before then, like if you you go back to you know the even in the 90s, in late 80s, you were at two hours, 35 minutes, two hours, 40 minutes. So, you know, even two hours and 20 minutes in the 70s. I mean, we're, they're going back to what was the norm. That's what it was. People would just get up and pitch, right? There wasn't 50 pitching changes in one inning, a lefty and a righty, and there wasn't, you know, a guy fidgeting with his batting gloves like a Paul Canerico and Omar Garcia Par, right? So just little things like that are going to make the game be what it used to be and get the attention span back hopefully so that, you know, the old farts now, what would you say, um, Sammy Davis, how it's like the average age is what, like 50, 60 right now? 57 is the average viewer of an MLB game. And if you think about the timeline of when those games were two hours and, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, those are those people that enjoyed those, those games. Right. So hopefully they can, you know, regain some younger fan viewership, you know, with a two and a half hour game. I mean, I saw a spring training game that was 97 minutes long or something like that, and I thought that was just unreal. So I love it. I, I don't know if you guys remember this game, but it was about uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, the Brewers came to Saks Park, and it was um, Chris Sale versus uh, – or what was it? No, I'm sorry. I can't remember who it was, but it was Zach Grinke against Mark Burley. And it was a game that we took all of our friends to – and it was a 101-minute game, and they cut off beer sales at, like, 8.15. So we, we all left and went to the, the craft cave. Those guys got the ball, and they threw it. And, you know, some guys would step out and everything. But, again, if you've got that clock in there and you've got to be in there, it's going to make it move. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Um, I love the pitch clock. Now, and, and think about it this way, too. Let's go in the Wayback Time Machine for the NBA and for basketball in general, right? Basketball was a sport that originally did not have a shot clock, right? So when you think about basketball not initially having a shot clock, can you imagine the game of basketball without a shot clock today? That would be disastrous. And it's not just the shot clock. Every single sport over the past decade has evolved to make it more entertaining. Baseball should be no different. Football? They have we have seen how they have relaxed pass interference and or how have increased pass interference and defensive holding. They want people to score more points. Basketball added the three pointer. Basketball superstars get their calls more points. The scoring compared in the NBA, I I think, is up almost like 15 points from 20 years ago. Uh, Hockey. Hockey. I remember when they when they got rid of the two line pass, which was the you couldn't pass blue line to blue line, which is the dumbest fucking rule I've ever heard of in my life. Hockey is is doing it every year now, making goalie pads smaller. Yeah, I, I guarantee you in the next couple of years, you're going to see the pipes on nets be thin to let more shots in. Yeah. Everything evolves or else it dies. Sports are no different and baseball should be no different. I don't care I, that it's the oldest sport. I don't care that it's the national pastime. Every sport has to evolve or else it's going to go. It's going to go extinct. I absolutely agree with you. And I love that you brought up like the NFL and like pass interference and holding too. I mean, for those who are arguing like, oh, like the officials shouldn't like have an influence or the rules shouldn't have an influence of like how a game ends, you know, like that's just part of the game. Shit. Look at the Super Bowl this year. Right. Like uh, say what you will, but it, it is a rule. Right. 
um, you know, to take it for what it's worth. And, and it, it, it kind of shows the hypocrisy of the, of the purists because, you know, the, the, the baseball purists say, you know, we can't have the electronic strike zone because the game needs some human element. Well, the, the human element is also what is I keep looking at Kerry Smirkin and it makes me focus down to the comments. <laughs> I can't keep up. Um, but then, you know, the the umpire also has to make that call if the guy's out and not in the box or the pitcher doesn't get the chance. So, I mean, there's always going to be a human element, so you can't have it both ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, can I play devil's advocate for a second? Of course you can. No. Mark Burley's best season in regard to pitch clock, like the fastest he ever pitched, he was still above mm-hmm. 15 seconds between pitches. He was like 15.7. Yeah, 15.7, 15.8, something like that. And I know Carrie Car- uh, went off on my tweet saying, uh, ain't nobody going to read all that. I ain't going to read all that, uh, of course. Happy for you, though. Sad for you, though, too. <laughs> I appreciate you commenting that when I uh, <laughs> when I made my Mark Burley tweet. But Mark Burley's the gold standard, right, of dealing quickly. Like, mm-hmm. that's just known across baseball. Like, Mark Burley was like, oh, yeah, this is what we want baseball to be. Like, quick pace. Like, the inning goes quickly. He's wheeling and dealing without messing around, without stepping off the mound like with, with no regard for what the batter really wants to do. Um, and he was at about 15 seconds. But I, you, I think you got quick games from Burley because as Hawk used to say, Mark really could throw it through a teacup. He didn't mess around with a lot of two and three ball counts. Mark uh-huh. was always in and around the plate. And, you know, a lot of guys would sit on 100%. that fastball. So that sort of thing. And, and I think doing this is also going to get rid of these, these, you know, the, the max power that everyone keeps talking about for, for the pitchers where, you know, they're, th- everyone's throwing 97 to hundred because they've got that, they've got that nice little rest to throw the ball. But now you've got to get in and throw it. You're not doing your, your max velocity at every pitch. No, absolutely. Absolutely agree with you. And now my question would then be, would you guys be opposed to, you know, in, in hindsight, hindsight's 2020, and maybe I'm being too nitpicky here, but, you know, Mark Burley was about 15 seconds. And then even like Brandon McCarthy, who was his teammate at one point, and somebody who uh, looked up to Burley said, Mark Burley's the standard, but it's unrealistic. Add two to three seconds. Would you be opposed to a 20 second pitch clock? Or do you think that's just like, is it too nitpicky? Is it too like? No, I think that I, 20 is perfect. I think 20 is perfect, like the perfect number. I almost feel like 15 is too fast. Like if you guys have been watching any of these games, it's, yeah. it's almost like a little bit too rushed. I'm I'm going to make the my least favorite form of argument, the slippery slope. I think if, if you put it to 20, then some people are going to argue for 22, and then 24, then 25. And then by the time the, the rule has just gone completely flaccid, like Steve-O on a Saturday night at uh, 11 p.m. You know – the, the booze do it to you sometimes. Whiskey dick. That's what they call it, right? Um, There's actually a bourbon now called Whiskey Dicks. Oh, is it in the Larceny collection? purchasing it. Instead, <laughs> I would recommend Carrie's favorite bourbon, which is, is this one right here. Oh, yeah, there it is. There it is. Loves any chance to look at that bottle, I know he does. He had to, you know, he had to give a handy to the guy at uh, Benny's for that. So it, it was cowboy style too. So. <laughs> i'm dying right now um yeah i get what you're saying with the slippery slope thing for sure and i think i really do think although it seems fast and rushed right now players and pitchers are going to get used to it and Mm -hmm. if it was that big of a deal 
the union would not have agreed to this, right? The union yeah. would have fought the league tooth and nail on this. It's really not as much of a big deal as a lot of old time fans or fans who are purists, quote unquote, you know, want to make it out to be. Yeah. The the thing I compare it to, it's remember when Facebook used to change their layout and everyone was like, oh my God, this is the worst thing in the world. I'm, I'm logging off Facebook forever. And then no one did and everyone got used to it. Everyone gets used to it. And everyone's going to get used to it. I think Steve was too young for that. No, definitely have Facebook. I had a MySpace, man. Come on now. Oh. Did you have a Zango though? I did not have a Zango. There's what, what that's where you made me. What, what was your MySpace song? My MySpace song? Well, yeah. I was in the days where I can't remember when I had like an individual songs, but I definitely had MySpace, MySpace playlists. You know, was, when they was expanded. it the sound of the people in Charlottesville marching? I hate you so much right now. <laughs> you are literally the person who I'm not even going there right now. American History X theme music. You know, it's a good thing you weren't allowed to vote for uh, Chicago mayor. Um, you know, I, I, I gotta I gotta say this. Jim does want to know if you can list off all the things that you've done for um, what of, the, of color. The, the, the most important things that I did was um, there was this one member of that community that was a big poser and pretended like he was a gangbanger and then I got him ex- excommunicated to Arizona. Are, are you part of his severance package? I believe so. Uh, we got to figure out what, what what happened there exactly. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some digging. Oh, please do, please do. Okay. You you and head investigator Alex Rude can uh, get on that right away. Yeah, I I never want to piss off Alex. I'll tell you that. That man literally probably has a file on every single one of us. He, he probably um, knows where Jimmy Hoffa is. He just ain't telling anybody. Speaking <laughs> of Jimmy Hoffa, um um. Jim's other question was, can you give us your opinions of the Chicago FOP? The uh, the French Ovarian uh, Pussycats? There are, <laughs> they are a great indie rock band that is out of uh, Elgin. I, I highly recommend them. <laughs> Amazing. Um, they're a union leader. Do they have a union leader? Yes. Uh, it, it's actually their man. It's actually Steve Albini who's producing the French Ovarian Pussycats record. So. <laughs> this is fantastic. Um, I do have a baseball question, though, because, you know, just to get yes, back. Yes, absolutely. Please do. Uh, the shift, right? Um, recently, I think it was Grandal was talking about the shift and how, you know, it's going to impact lefties like Grandal, Mancata, Benatendi, guys like Joey Gallo, you know, on the Twins, you know, Cody Bellinger. On the, Jerry on the Gallo? Loves. Joy, yeah, Joy Cat. That's two references from my cousin Vinny today. Very I good. Very good. I, I don't like lawyers or, or like lawyer movies, but um, they're, they're the worst lawyers. Yeah. Lawy- lawyers who. Buddy, you Lawy- Yeah, exactly. Buddy, you what, what I was going to ask, though, is, you know, what's your thoughts on the shift being banned? Do you like it? Do you think it's going to help out guys like Grandal, Mancada, who Grandal said, I'm probably going to hit more doubles and singles now? So, what's your thoughts? Uh, yes, I love it. Uh, two, yes, uh, kind of. I think it'll help out left-handed players. I don't think it'll help out Grandal and Mancata because they can both eat my asshole. Yeah. So, <laughs> not surprised. I, I'm all for it. Again, it gets the ball in play. It, 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 it gets the game moving. You know, they all say we want to see the first to third because that's the most exciting thing in baseball, and it is. 
I am, am all for it. I would even go further. I would like put little quadrants on the field that they need to be in because you still see that shortstop sitting at second base, like uh, sitting over there in the, the third baseman. So I would even go so far as making quadrants to keep them in because I want to see the ball in play. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and I, I think that'll <laughs> – that is what will kind of slow down the three true outcome. And yeah. the people who love the shift, I think are idiots because, and the people who say beat the shift are even stupider idiots. Because wow. if, if I'm going to see the Bryce Harper play baseball, I am not paying to see him hit squibbers down the third baseline. Okay. I want to see him crank a double down the line, go up the middle. That's what I want to see. And, you know, back when people could do that with the baseball pitchers weren't throwing 102 with movement all over the place. Yeah. So I'm all for it. Again, anything to get the ball in play, anything to make the game go faster, more action, faster, I'm all for it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the shift. I definitely – I know you are a Grandal and Moncada hater for some reason. I hate I, everyone on the Sox not named Liam Hendricks. So let, let, you could just go so far as that. That is, that is true. He hates Dylan Cease, remember? He thought yeah, Dylan Cease was washed up in a head case. Ugh. Dylan sees four ERA this year. You heard it here first. Oh, my God. You heard it here first. Yep, exactly. And in the words of our guy, Adam, from Kansas City, oh, nope, not that one. But, you know, I bet, that smell, I bet, I bet the mask does smell like that. Uh, but he said, why is this bozo wearing a mask? Um, Y'all, Moncada's going to have a resurgence this year. I'm calling it right now. I'm calling it right now. It's an odd number year. He's going to absolutely go off. I'm fantastic year. And I'm not saying 2019 levels, but I'm saying a very solid year at the plate. Weighted runs created. Plus, you know, exactly. Like something that was like his 2021 year. Yeah. Here, here's why I disagree. With more pop. With more pop. Here's why I disagree. We have 17, I think. Maybe. He's yeah, been in, in his inconsistent years. I mean, in 2019, obviously, he was great because he got more aggressive at the plate and stopped taking pitches all the time. What worried me last year is he was swinging through velocity in the zone a lot. And I believe Josh Nelson uh, put up a stat a while ago. I, I got to find it. Over 97 miles per hour in the zone, his whiff rate was one of the highest in the majors. That is concerning. The guy can't hit a curveball. Eventually, you can learn to hit a curveball. But in a game where velocity is king, if he can't hit velocity over 95, 96, that is concerning. In the zone, too. It's not like he was chasing either. So that's why, especially at $25 million. I mean, at $25 million, he needs to have, you know, almost an 850 OPS season to justify Yeah, I mean, that. if you look at his stats, he's an every other year guy on the odd year. And uh seems like we're due for a Mancata year. So that's, that's what I'm saying. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. And I, you know what? I get it. There are things in regard Wait. to Moncada swing that are alarming. You get I, it? What's that? I just don't get it. Okay. Thank you. Okay. There it is. There it is. Um, there are things about the swing that are a little alarming. However, when you look at his body of work, it, you know, there are, we're talking about a 27 year old guy here. Okay. We're not talking about some washed up veteran. We're talking about a guy that's still developing. Um, I don't know why we expect 27 year olds to be off the charts. Fantastic all the time. Like they're still growing into who they are. That's still a player's prime though. I mean, 
It is. Uh, I've seen guys out today are what twenty five to twenty nine. That that's their prime. So there we go. Uh, I mean, yeah, it is. It's starting to tick for him. Most is, is this our last year of control, or does he have one more? I think he's got one more. Okay, if I'm not mistaken. and then it's going to be what thirty million dollars next year. Um, I, is he at twenty five this year? I think I think that's he's the last year. this year, and I can't remember what he is next year. So I I, I still think that he's going to bounce back. I a lot of what I saw last year out of him he's making seventeen was, this year. What was that? He's making seventeen this year. He's making seventeen this year, so it's twenty five next year, right? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of what I saw last year was his inability to control the strike zone. Like he wasn't getting up in counts. He had a terrible feel for the strike zone. He, he was stressing a lot. And I think a lot of that bounces back to the way in which the entire team played too. So I'm, I'm faithful that he's going to be in the, you know, he's been working it out. He's been in the gym. He's been getting stronger. He's been working on that swing. Guys have bounced back years, and I really believe this is one for Moncada. Maybe you're right, and maybe I'm just way too optimistic about him, but I'm really expecting a bounce back year. And like I said, I don't expect him to be a, I don't know, an OPS plus guy of 140. I don't expect him to have a 2019 offensive year. I expect him to have, you know, hit that OPS to still be above eight, you know? Yeah. When in doubt, always assume the worst with the White Sox. If you haven't <laughs> learned that yet, I don't know what to tell you, Steve. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I, I think that's a really good segue to what I wanted. Carrie, you have more than a half hour tonight, right? Now that your, uh, your yeah, yeah. water heater guy came through. I just yeah. want to make sure. Fantastic. I think that's a really good segue to talk about like the White Sox of this year, right? And, and when you said, when in doubt, expect the worst. Mm-hmm. Although you're expecting the worst out of everybody, who do you really think is going to have a breakout season? Then? Um, He's going to say nobody. I, I really like, right. <laughs> I I, I want to go with I, I want to say Andrew Benintendi because he wasn't on the team last year. But Damn. Every, every time we sign a free agent, they come here and they suck. Yep. It, it's it's like there's a disease embedded in our jerseys that that affect people. So. I think if you slot Benintendi in that two hole and you got a lot, you know, guys who could thump behind them, I'd like to say Benintendi. I think that Vaughn has 25 home runs this year, um, which I, I, I couldn't believe Vaughn led the team in home runs last year. Uh, tied with up the Yeah. Um, I, I think it's going to be Vaughn. Here's what I found. Oh, Sirius is talking to me about Bernie Sanders somehow. So what did you find out? Um <laughs> I'm 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 gonna say Vaughn. I, I think he hits 280, 285, 25 home runs, maybe 80 RBI, um, and uh, a hell of a lot less double plays than uh, Jose Abreu. That's facts. Uh, you really can't, you know, think about like you you can't surpass Jose Abreu on the double play balls. Um, huh. Speaking of balls, um, Adam says that his grandpa's scrotum looks better in your face. So. <laughs> Um, well, his grandpa's scrotum must have a weird if it's white, black, and red. <laughs> uh, and I agree that Andrew Vaughn is going to have a fantastic year. I'm very, very excited to see what Andrew Vaughn's going to do. Um, I think this is going to be a huge breakout year for him. I think he's actually arguably going to be the best offensive player on this team, at least when it comes to at the plate. Um, 
You know, like he's, he's not really, going to be stealing bags, but I also think that he has the least amount of question marks of anyone in the White Sox lineup, even at the, his young age. Tim, we've talked about this. Tim can't stay healthy. Tim, outside of the the, the COVID season, he misses 30, 40 games a year. Moncada, we don't know what we're getting with him. Eloy, Eloy, God, for a guy that can hit the baseball a mile, he has the athletic coordination of a goose with Down syndrome. It, it, it's ridiculous. Luis Robert, every time that guy r- turns first base, I feel like he's going to blow a hammy or something. Uh, Yasmani Grandal is the piece of decrepit garbage. He sucks. Um, <laughs> I can go on and on, but think about it. Andrew Vaughn has the least question marks about him going into the season, and he's going to be our youngest hitter in the lineup, which I think is crazy. And that's the the, the thing that changed my mind. Well, not changed my mind, but really made me believe in, in Andrew Vaughn was the opposite field home run off of Chapman last year. We think remember, less hmm? question marks than Andrew Benatendi? I think so, yes, because Benintendi did not hit any home runs in Yankee Stadium last year. He didn't okay. hit any in Kansas City either, though. What yeah, it was, a down, it was a down power year for him. Down power well, year, for sure. Right, right field in, in Yankee Stadium, if you gave me a wiffle ball bat, I could probably put one out of there. No, that, I that, that. Is what, that, that is what's concerning for me with Andrew Benintendi. We, we don't need guys to hit 280 with five home runs. That, home, that lineup last year did not hit home runs, and we did not win games. We need guys putting the ball out of the ballpark. So, counterpoint, your whole lineup is built around guys who are supposed to be able to put the ball out of the ballpark. You've got Aloy. You've got Andrew Vaughn. You've Robert. got Luis. I mean, Luis even has some pop. You've got um, – uh, who was I about to say? And you took it away from me. Did I say Aloy already? Yeah, you um, said Eloy. You got Vaughn. Grandal supposed to – Gavin Sheets, Grandal – um, I mean, you've got guys that have pop. Pop is not really the concern as long as your lineup is healthy, right? The White Sox had an incredible team average last year when it came to batting. They had an awful on-base percentage, and that's exactly what Andrew Benintendi brings. Andrew Benintendi's not going to hit 300 unless he's having an, an amazing year. However, if he's hitting 280 – He's going to get on base at a 350 clip, and that's what the White Sox do need. They need guys to consistently get on base, and that's what they didn't have last year. Yohan Moncada didn't get on base. Yasmani Grandal didn't get on base. So as long as these guys start to get on base, things are going to click, I think. Yeah, and when you look at his stats, I mean, besides 2020, which he only played like – 14 of those games, so I don't even look at that. He's had an over 100 OPS plus every single year. So, you know, some of those years were, you know, in the 120s, one high 120s. This guy's, <clears throat> I don't, I think he's got the least amount of question marks more than even Andrew Vaughn. And I'm, and I'm with you on Andrew Vaughn where I think he's going to have a, uh, this is his third year, right? I mean, like he knows kind of, you know, knows how to deal with the pace and how to, elongate a season hopefully i think he's gonna break out too this year and, and be like you know our guy because he's playing first base too so um but i i, I still got to go to ben attendee i mean he's been more consistent than any other guy in the lineup right now for the Sox. Uh, again my 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 skepticism on him is based on no statistics and nothing whatsoever <laughs> so long as my my permanent hatred at, of the white Sox and pessimism <laughs> in all things uh white Sox. so 
So I, I understand that. <laughs> so speaking of pessimism, then I got to ask them, where do you think the Chicago White Sox will finish this year? Because let me, before I get your response on that, let me say this. The last two people that we had as guests on this podcast were very optimistic. Herb was a little bit more Herb Lawrence, you know, of CHGO. We had him on, had a great conversation, hour-long conversation about the Sox. Yeah. He went on and, and, you know, he said, this could be the worst-case scenario. This could be the best-case scenario. However, he said 86 wins, if I'm not mistaken, Kerry. Yeah, as the, the best-case or worst-case scenario? As as a realistic scenario. Yeah. He said, realistically, I think the White Sox are an 86-win team. Then we had Dan Victor on, who, you know, is more tied to the White Sox minor league system and, and understands the prospects and – has a lot of hope because he's seen a lot of these guys come up. And he said the White Sox are going to be either he said a 90 or 92 win team. I know you think that's crazy, Sammy Davis June. So tell me, my man, where do you think the White Sox will finish this year? Okay, and then do you want my you want my reasoning afterwards? Yeah. Absolutely. Are you with are you with Stokes in the comments right now? Do you say third place? I am with Stokes in the comments. What? I think they are a 78-win team, and I will tell you why. <laughs> One is for all the men, the reasons I mentioned about for about the lineup. You've got three, potentially four guys with serious health question marks, T.A., Eloy, Yuan, Yaz. Those guys are supposed to be our power and on-base guys, and, and Tim is, is what makes everything go. You need those guys to be healthy, and I just, in a perfect scenario, like Sir Herb was talking about, you need those guys to all play 150 games. Do you see all four of those guys playing 150 games? I, I just don't see it. The other problem I think is the starting pitching. Yeah, you know, uh, Dickhead Clevenger. Uh, hopefully, he's not on the fucking team. Um, but you still, I mean. I know it's early in spring training. Lance Lynn is getting knocked around. He's also coming off knee surgery last year in a season where he didn't pitch a ton of innings. Giolito, who knows what the hell is going on with him. He's he trimmed up. He lost the weight. He's going back to, I guess, his longer arm motion now. That's a question mark. Kopech is another one who can't stay healthy. What's going to happen with him? And, again, I gave you the spoiler alert. Dylan Cease's ERA is going to be over <laughs> four this year. Because I, it's I, I just again it, it, in my pessimistic world, I can't imagine someone having two good two good seasons in a row with the White Sox. <laughs> Finally, no Liam Hendricks is going to hurt us more than we can possibly imagine. That guy, you know, he blew a couple saves here and there, but when you have a guy who's going to go out and close a game for you eight nine times out of ten, and then you lose that guy, it's I guarantee the back end of the bullpen is just going to be another shit show this year like even if Raylo closes you're like is it going to be the committee like they're kind of saying great man how terrible was he when he had to close games last year joe kelly joe kelly got a contract because he he made a face at the astros people and he got a contract <laughs> so it's just I, I, so many things have to go right to be that 86 to be that 91 team and all of them have to happen it can't just be you know, one or two things happen. It needs to be all of those things happening. Who's going to be the fifth starter? Is it going to be Davis Martin, Jimmy Lambert? I mean, there's a lot worse five starters in the league. But again, th this is supposed to be our quote unquote championship window. And, you know, this is what we're trying out. And that's 
again why I hate the White Sox and me. <laughs> Jerry Reinsdorf and I hate my existence. And you think that equates to a seven? Did you say seventy? Seventy-eight. I said seventy-eight. Seventy-eight. Okay, 78. I didn't hear the eight part. I didn't hear the eight part. Seventy-eight win team. And and I just think that's because the Cleveland's going to regress a little bit. Think about when we played Cleveland last year. Every single thing went their way in every single game that we played against them. Is what it felt like. Um, the Twins are going to be a, a little better. The the maybe some of these young guys for Detroit finally step up. Um, who knows what's going on with Kansas City? But Vinny's got my guy Vinny Pasquatino. So you bet we better watch out for uh, my, my paisan strolling to the stadium. Going to hit a couple dingers in the 108 this year. <laughs> that is fucking Italian, Vinny fucking Pasquatino. Now that thing. <laughs> fucking gabagool in his veins, this fucking guy. <laughs> gabagool in his bowels. <laughs> you saying that with this mask on right now is yeah. absolutely absurd right now. So thank you. Thank you for bringing some some light to our viewers some lightheartedness now you are the biggest pessim white Sox pessimist i've ever met in my yep. entire life yep. and um that being said the honesty. I, I understand where you're coming from and like stokes here in the comments says kansas city owns the Sox. you know cleveland has had our number um over the last few years now let me talk about another, not rule change, but league change in a sense, like this this expanded schedule. Do you think this year that this plays to the White Sox advantage or disadvantage? When, you know, I'm not sure how deep you've looked at the schedule. I don't know what you think in regard to the White Sox, you know, traveling to Atlanta or, you know, being in Colorado or what's it, what's another team that they've got to travel to that, that's not normally on the schedule uh, this year. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Cincinnati, they got the central. That being said, what are your thoughts on this? You, you see every team. Do it more. See every team more. I agree. I think that, and I know this, most people don't feel this way. I think playing the teams in your division 19 times a year is fucking stupid. Yes. Agreed. Especially when you're in the AL central. I don't care about Kansas City. No one cares about Detroit. Cleveland, who the fuck wants to go to Cleveland on a trip? I mean, who wants to go to Minnesota on a trip? Let's, I say there's how many teams in baseball? 30, 32? I don't even know anymore. Fucking ridiculous. Divide that by 162, divide that by 30 teams, play everyone five times. I want to see everyone. I, I, I want to be able to go to uh, uh, new stadiums every year. I want to see all these great players who are in the National League who we don't get to see a lot. I want to see, you know, again, if it, maybe it's because we're in such a shitty division and this division has always been, you know, just the, the redheaded stepchild of, of the AL. Maybe that's a factor to it, but more games against more teams. I, I mean, I think we're the only sport that does it this way. I mean, I guess you could say football where you're, you're you, you know, you're playing two out of, you, you know, you're playing each two out of 16, but, uh, NHL doesn't do it that way. NBA doesn't do it that way. There's that's another way to, to promote the stars of our game, which our sport does a terrible job of because you're only seeing a small group is getting to see these stars a lot. So, you know, Bryce Harper, the, the fans in the NL East, they get to see him a ton. What about, you know, the AL West? Do they get to see him once, twice a year in their own stadium? He may not even play that third game. Do it more. Expose more fans to more players, to more teams, and I think that's another way you grow the game. 
I, I absolutely agree. Now, let me flip this. Does this play to the White Sox advantage or disadvantage this year? Oh, God, no. It did no. <laughs> Because there's so many teams better than us, and especially new National League teams that you know the the, the Mets would kick their dicks in. You know, ninety percent of the of the NL East would would kill them. Um, I mean, it just makes you realize how shitty the Sox are that we have this division that's been you know sixty percent to eighty percent dog crap for the past twenty years, and, and we've got one World Series to show for it. And then you ask where my pessimism comes from. Fair enough. Fair enough. So then let me throw this back at you. Obviously you are the biggest White Sox pessimist that I I, I know, right? Trademark. Yes. Trademark easily. Sammy Davis, June biggest pessimist. Now, who do you want to blame the most? This is a question that I asked Herb Warrens when we had him on and his answer was very fascinating to me. So let's let's take it back to 2019. Okay, when this rebuild was was kind of underway or, or or really hitting its kind of its close actually. The rebuild was hitting its close in 2019 and we were going into 2020 with optimism. Who do you want to blame the most for why the White Sox are in the situation they're at? I know Kerry is going to disagree with me on this. But I'm I'm, I'm going to give you a reason why I'm right because I'm always right. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I'm gonna say 95% Jerry Reinsdorf, 5% Rick Hahn. Ooh, and I'll tell you why. The teams that are favored this year are those teams favored because they have great GMs or because their owners are spending a fuckload of money. Both. San Diego would be my exception. I don't think AJ Preller is a great GM other than convincing his owner to spend how, money. How is he not a great GM? He convinces I mean, I, his owner to GM. spend money. He's a good GM that that before but before this like recent splurge, they still got the Manny Machados because they know what a good deal is, right? That's a good GM right there. So, so you can't be a good GM if your owner has your balls in a vice. Rick Hahn's balls are in a vice. We cannot be a serious team. We will not be a serious team until we sign superstar players for nine-figure contracts. Now, I know people will say, well, hey, the team with the most expensive payroll doesn't win every year. Yeah, but they make the playoffs every year. Gives them a chance every year. Look at uh, last year's NLCS. Bryce Harper literally put that team on his back and won them the NLCS. Correct. If you ask 99 people why did the Padres make it to the World Series, they're going to say Bryce Harper. We cannot be a serious contender with the way Jerry is running the team. And we know we have some insight from uh, our good bootlicker, uh, Eloy versus the wall, or the reason for that. <laughs> Jerry Reinsdorf has sold off his stake in the team ever so slowly over the years. I think the last I heard, he owns like 13% of the team. Really? Because, because yes, that is what I heard. Um. Because what they are doing, it's actually, it's a very smart way if you want to make money. What has appreciated more than sports teams in the last 15, 20 years? Anything? I mean, teams have gone up tens of millions of dollars each year just in worth. Then you add the stadiums in there. You know, then you add these network deals. They're going to keep getting more and more and more and more because there's always going to be a premium for live sports. Okay. Mm -hmm. We are in the third biggest market 
in the media market in the country. We should be spending a, like a team like the Yankees, like the Mets. The I think I think San Diego is the 27th biggest market. So you cannot tell me that Jerry's TV deal does not allow him to spend more money. And again, you know, bootlicker Eloy is like, well, they, they, they spend what they bring in. Well, I guarantee you that the Padres are spending more than they bring in. I guarantee mm-hmm. you that a lot of teams that are at the top of these payroll are spending more than they than they bring in. You know, Jerry is making is ballooning this asset so we can sell the team. And I I'm paraphrasing Nucky Thompson from or Jimmy Darmody from Boardwalk Empire. You can't be half a contender anymore. If you want to win a World Series, you've got to spend two hundred million dollars. I'm sorry, I just think that's the way it is. You've got to take a chance on these players who are 28, 29 years old. Give them a contract till they're 38. If this is our window, I think it's it shut before it even opened because of the constraints from Jerry put on Rick. Now, I know Kerry used to say, well, Rick Hahn spent a ton of money on the bullpen last year. That was the wrong place to spend it. But think about all those contracts. They were all one- and two-year contracts because he wasn't able to to offer someone, you know, 10 years, 350 million. But he has been able to offer people that. And not, uh, uh, with, well, Machado got that half ass. Not, not, not even him. Zach Wheeler was actually, the White Sox outbid the Phillies, and Zach Wheeler decided not to come here. No, 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 no. Zach Wheeler's wife decided he wanted to, he didn't yeah. want to come here. So remember that. So whatever Zach, I I always love when Zach Wheeler gets gets lit up because I'm like, well, you shouldn't let your wife have your balls in her purse. So, <laughs> so that's a different story. But again, we've talked about this. The contract to the Manny Machado offer was such a fucking Jerry Reinsdorf deal that it it, it just screams like that's the prototypical moment where you've got to backload this contract with incentives because you don't want to pay at the end, like. Do you think Rick Hahn would have preferred to offer him, you know, straight up 10 years, $300 million? Of course. But Jerry is ultimately the one who is going to um, be responsible for it. Trades, that is entirely at a GM. There have been some bad trades. But, again, oh, oh I, I, I will 100% admit that. But, again, you can overcome trade, bad trades by signing good players. Think about if we signed uh, Jacob deGrom for, say, two years, $80 million. That puts the White Sox at the top of the AL Central. Think if we picked up, uh, I can't remember who was a big uh, right field free agent. If we picked up a right fielder, a second baseman, and a starting pitcher and added maybe $80 million to the overall salary, we would be number one in our division and a World Series contender. They chose not to do that. They chose to give the biggest contract in team history $75 million to Andrew Benintendi. Is Benintendi an upgrade? Of course he is. But having Ben Attendee as your two-hole hitter is not going to win you at the World Series. Having Ben Attendee as your seven or eight hitter, that's a different story. So that is why I think it is 95% on Jerry Reinsdorf because the game has changed in the past five to ten years with these massive contracts. And the teams with these massive contracts are competing every year. They're not winning every year, but they are winning. Um, I would just like to point out the White Sox had a 200 and. Three million dollar payroll last year. They did. How much of that was dedicated to the one or two year deals that they gave out? Forty. <clears throat> Joe Kelly got seventeen. Still, still, uh, you can't. Got fifteen. You can't. You can't. And that's the problem is if you if you are going to be a contending ball club, 
uh, particularly with the way the White Sox spend. So there's the Jerry caveat, right? You have to spend the money more wisely. So you know when you're stepping in to the GM of the Chicago White Sox, when you are Rick Hahn, and you know Jerry Reinsdorf is ultimately your boss, basically, you know what your constraints are, and you have to work with that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that Rick Hahn has been fully wise enough. So I, I can't dump all of the blame on Hahn, but I'm going to put more than 5% because I think the way in which when – your biggest contract for a season, basically. Like, for example, they spent just as much money on Liam Hendricks. You know, let me actually rewind that entire statement. Two of their biggest contracts throughout this window have been on a catcher. And a closer. And a closer. Yeah, that's not wise. Not wise when you know your financial constraints. Yeah, And also on top of that, when you know your financial constraints – you can't be offering guys who are not yet fully proven, Aloy, Luis, Moncada, huge contracts to lock yeah. them up long term. So for me, it's 50-50. And this is why I ran a poll on it like six months ago. Who do you want to blame the most? And 70% of the population of people who voted, Sammy Davis June, we're with you. They said, fuck Jerry. It's fucking Jerry. For me, it's 50-50. I want to blame Han just as much as I want to blame Jerry. And for me, and, and my question then is put on the table here, why the hell does Rick Han still have a job other than maybe – Because it's Jerry. Yeah, because his balls are in Jerry's purse, like you said. Yeah. Be, because he because Jerry, Jerry we know is loyal to a fault. That's why Kenny Williams is still there. That's why Garpax stayed so long over there. And I also think – if you fire Rick Hahn, who, what good GM is going to want to come into this situation? Well, a good GM, what we thought was a good GM, came to the Bulls. So, well, he, no, he struck the lottery with Jokic, and then, like, we banked on. I don't that. know about that. Those teams were pretty well constructed in Denver, but. You know, and it's not like he didn't construct a team that was actually like on the rise here before some injuries, but like it shows you can't, you can't, like you can't fuck up as a GM under Jerry, right? Because you are financially, you know, restricted, right? So you, you have to do it right. And it's hard to do. So I'm with you, Steve. I think it's 50 50. I'd, I'd put 51% on Rickon for this. And 49% on Jerry just because of how he constructed this roster. And um, I was just looking at what the roster was made up of last year and the one-year deals. There was only one one-year deal, two one-year deals, and those Vinny Velasquez. Three, sorry. Harrison, Cueto, and Velasquez. Everybody else was on two- or three-year deal longer oh. than that, four years. So, so but, but Joe Kelly and Kendall Graveman, that, how much was their combined last year? They made a combined fifteen million dollars. Okay, and then Harrison was five million, so that's twenty. Mm-hmm. And then Cueto was six million. Cueto was three million, and Vince Velasquez was three million. So that that's puts it, you from two hundred to one seventy, but that's 
where a lot of teams were sitting was at was was at 170. Oh yeah, and I'll give you. I forgot AJ Pollock was here for a year. Oh but he god, was technically, could have had him for two years, but he was at fourteen and a half. He saved. He saved the White Sox. I cannot yeah. believe. I cannot believe that he tested the market, and I think that is a testament to how bad the clubhouse culture yeah. is. And I think that is a testament to. He the hated White being Sox. here so much. He said, "I'm going to take a risk at losing twelve million dollars." Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's a testament to like how bad Tony was. And I'm mm-hmm. really looking forward to the coaching staff change. And I think that's why I'm rooting my optimism. Like I, I'm still hey. somewhat optimistic is there's so much coaching staff change. Yeah. We'll see. So, well, Sammy Davis June, there's one question that's been waiting in the balance. And I know that this guy has been ragging us <laughs> in the comments waiting for you to answer this. Are, are you willing to answer it in the last three minutes that we have before we hit an hour? Yes. All right. So the question is FMK, fuck, Mary kill King Mac, Justin from bad guy radio and um, everybody's favorite, not so much favorite Jason Austin. Um, you know what? I'm going to go, let's, we'll start with, uh, fuck. I'm going to fuck, um, I'm going to fuck Hosking, uh, just because, uh, he'll probably, you know, try to force me to do it anyway. So. Yikes. (laughs) This is bad. This is terrible. If Gabe didn't get us canceled this one. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and then uh, I'm gonna kill. Um, oh, I'm gonna kill King Mac, obviously. And then uh, I'm gonna marry Justin just so uh, he can see what a real income is like. Wow, wow. On that note, Carrie's gone. Uh, it's time to uh, time for me to go get a Brazilian. As uh, our guy, Mike Kress, said. So, <laughs> I'm out of here. The comment section was fantastic tonight. Um, thank you so much to everybody in the comment section. And those of you that tuned in live, tonight was absolutely one of my favorite episodes we've done. Because this was hilarious. I'm probably about a quarter of a bottle of bourbon in. Um, this is the Believe in the Southside show. Sammy Davis June. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you um, for having me. You know, when we get an OMG from Jim in the comments, we know we've done a good job. So, <laughs> everybody, oh, uh, Sammy Davis June, final thoughts? Um, looking forward to seeing everyone in the ballpark this year. Um, and thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, if you see this right here, uh, My Sock Summer, this is how you properly drink bourbon. Damn. (laughs) On that note, Carrie. See ya. Have a good night, everybody. Peace out. We'll see you next week. Uh... Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.